Amen. If you could remain standing and turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to go all the way through chapter 12, our last chapter in Ecclesiastes, uh, to verse 7. But I'm just going to read um, verse 7 through 10. You'll notice in some of your, your, your Bibles that the passage seems to naturally break after 12 verse 8. But I'm going to say that purposefully. Uh, for our final concluding uh, sermon next week in Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7. Hear now God's holy word. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were in the first por portion of chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 6, and I think there's a direct tie-in, of course, to our passage today, even though it's hitting on uh, different topics. And the topic early in chapter 11 was on sowing and reaping, about trusting everything to God, if you can remember. And therefore, in regards to the spiritual business of kingdom work, we should all aspire to give it our all. We don't know whether the tree will fall left or right, as Solomon said, but we take advantage of our own resources, our time, our finances, our initiated good works, and so forth. The kingdom of God is worth every effort we put our hearts and minds to. And so the, also the Apostle Paul in the New Testament picks up on this theme, and you don't have to turn there, in 2 Corinthians 9, where he writes, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He's not saying that we'll be blessed with physical riches if we do this or that for the kingdom of God, but we'll be made more aware of God's grace, to be more aware of his love for us, of his grace, and find, he says, all sufficiency, which could also be translated as contentment when we seek to do so. So there needs to be no fear in giving your all for the Lord and his kingdom. The Lord will take care of us in his way by his amazing grace. And so a lot of this has to do with what do we do with the lives God has given to us? Perhaps there's a quiet moment. Some of you guys don't really have a lot of quiet moments in a busy week, but perhaps there's a quiet moment recently where you just kind of sat and maybe you looked up or maybe you prayed or maybe you're just thinking to yourself, what am I to do with the rest of my life if it truly is a gift? Will we invest well in kingdom matters and in godly wisdom? Or will we be aloof with our stewardship and be caught up with folly? These are the themes we find in Ecclesiastes. But I think it's a good process 
to contemplate, to pray, to think through these things. And so this thought is also embedded in the context of the passage for this week. So there's different topics, but I think it's still embedded in that same, under that same umbrella. But uh, help me out by, by praying for your own heart, praying for me, the preacher, as we go to the Lord again in prayer. And Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit now illumine this text for us. May it not just go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, may it sink deep into our minds and to our hearts so that our lives can be that much more transformed and changed by your word and the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's passage can be summarized by the exhortation to rejoice and remember. Pretty easy to summarize. Rejoice and remember all of our days, whether younger or older here, this is the mandate for this type of wisdom living, to rejoice well, to remember well at any age. But this is easier said than done. Let me be first in line to say this is uh, easier said than done, I'm sure. And about aging, our culture doesn't help either, right? Our culture has a problem with not only aging, but with the concept of death. We, we just don't want to talk about it, actually. We've mentioned this before, but our culture here in the States, but also many parts of around the world, is obsessed with staying young, trying to look like fitness models and trying to find ways to live 10 to 12 years longer, maybe stretch it even 30 years longer. Not that living longer is a bad thing, nor is staying fit, but it's about the overt obsession with these things. Is that what I'm talking about? You know, I used to read fitness magazines when I was younger. Obviously, I don't anymore, you could tell. But the article was, this, this article, had, it was like multi-pages, all these graphics of this is how you should feel and look in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And, and these had all these um, goals and, and, and categories to follow. I read the article, I did a slow look at my stomach, and I looked at the article again, I, I have a long way to go, and I just kind of toss that out, that's probably why I don't read fitness magazines anymore. Or maybe you've seen online a reel or um, a video online where it said, this is where you should be financially, in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, etc., etc. And again, I would get discouraged, I'd say, that's not where I am. How about outward beauty or Physically speaking, our, our world has standards that hardly anyone can keep up with. I've shared this before, the multi-gazillion industry of selling advanced beauty products to make us look younger than, than what we really are. And I'm not immune to those things. Uh, let me just freely admit, I'm not immune to being tempted by their advertising. But, oh, I don't know if you've been keeping up. It's been getting kind of out of hand. I'm wondering if any of you who are middle-aged and up do you remember, because I do, do you remember the moment, maybe even the month or the year, when you kind of realize you're, you're having your mortality moment? Mine was in 2017. I shared, shared about that before. Where you finally realize, wait a second, I'm not going to live forever. And I know that sounds kind of foolish or silly, but, but I think for many of us, there is that moment. I said, oh, no. I, I, there, there's a time where I am realize I'm not going to live forever, and you realize I'm finally at the age where I'm feeling old. This is, of course, relative to our own perceptions. 
Some call it a midlife crisis and so on. I call it every Monday morning. But when I, I remember when I was pastoring in the Philadelphia suburbs many years ago, I had two strong, dependable leaders that I was brainstorming with about ministry for the next several years. And I, I was in my young 30s at that time, and they were around 38, let's say. And I kept saying, so as you guys are leaders in your 40s, uh, you know, and so on and so on, this is what's going to happen. And, he, and this one deacon kept interrupting me. He said, well, Robin, I'm only 38. I said, hey, I know, I know, but when we, when we get to, you know, it's very close, you know, when you're in your 40s. And he kept stopping me, but I'm 38. And it was kind of half-joking, I think half-serious. He was getting kind of perturbed by my continual reference that he's eventually going to get 40. And one of the other leaders just said, Pastor Robin, the reason why he keeps doing it, he really wants to delay that. He really wants to enjoy uh, his 30s. It wasn't that for all of us who were in their 30s and hit the dreaded 40? Isn't that our desire, too, to keep that milestone as far away as possible for any any type of number that changes in the front of your age if it's your 50s your 60s your 70s 80s etc cetera, etc cetera, you're just trying to keep that milestone as far as away i, I have a, a circle of friends that i hang out with uh, have dinners with etc one of them is in her uh, young 30s and you know mom uh, young mom etc cetera, etc cetera. and she was talking with other friends who are also in the young 30s and she just let out this sigh and gasp, you know. And then when I'm 40, and then she stopped herself and she said, oh, no, 40. And I was in my 40s at that time, and oh, I still am. And uh, I, I was like, well, what's up with that, you know. And it was almost like a death sentence. But isn't that the perception of our world today, how we look at age which, with such despair. I, I feel like in previous cultures and contexts, aging was a noble thing. It was looked, uh, looked on uh, with um, uh, uh, optimism and wisdom comes with age and, and et cetera and, and, and so forth. But for our day and age, it's, oh no, uh, is that going to happen to me? But I understand. It, it can be frustrating. It can be <clears throat> scary. It could make us feel uneasy when, when think about aging. Others, though, perhaps like the image of someone Solomon is picturing here for us today, might put things in a lot better perspective than most of us here. And let me just say, isn't that great that the Bible understands our situations? The Bible always understands our con concerns, our experiences, our contexts, uh, and it covers every generation. And so the Lord invites us to his word for this guidance and comfort to really say it's going to be okay if we trust and believe in the Lord. So let's go to the text, chapter 11, verse 7 and 8. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. You know, after our dystopian-like fog, remember, uh, last month, uh, it was a couple of weeks of fog and rain and snow and horrible temperatures. It's been so nice, right, the last couple days and even this morning to just see the sun. For some, it's been an opportunity to take a walk and get some fresh outdoor air. But other of us, others of us, it's just, it's just nice to feel the sun on your face. What is the preacher king saying here? A theme that he'll touch on throughout 
is enjoy your life. Yes, I, I know you're already 10 to 20, 30 kind of big list of this is why I can't enjoy my life. But just for a moment, let's, let's, let's heed to what he's trying to say here. Enjoy life. Enjoy the big things in life. Enjoy the very little things. Enjoy the loud, momentous things that occur. But then also enjoy the quiet, routine things. You see, if a person lives a long life, he or she can enjoy much more those big moments, but also those sweet little moments too. Aging is a blessing in the eyes of the, of the Word of God. For some of you, this involves relationships with family or close friends. Some of you, some you've had for decades, some you're experiencing new ones right now. For some, it's the fulfillment you find in your diligent work in your career or raising your children, or for some of you here, I know it's curating your beautiful garden, tilling the land, building something. For others, it's your hobbies and things you enjoy in your leisure. For others, as Solomon pointed out a couple times already, you enjoy your food and drink. For many of us, it's enjoying the, the fellowship we have at church, and so on and so forth. For all the complexities we find in Ecclesiastes, and everyone's saying it's such a depressing book, there are these very short and sweet simplicities that he liked to highlight throughout the entire book. Well, that is coming to a rapid conclusion in these final passages. There's a lot of joy in Ecclesiastes also, a nice bookend to all that he was sharing and teaching. But this is actually, one scholar noted, the seventh time he's address, addressing this, uh, this theme, this topic of rejoicing or fine joy, the seventh time. So enjoy your life. Rejoice in every year, month, day that goes by. This is the call. But we're not to be naive also. Those years, months, and days are also filled with some darkness under the sun. He's a realist. And again, under the sun is just a shorthand way of saying everything a person experiences in this fallen world. Maybe you're coming very late into the series in Ecclesiastes. He always is the refrain, under the sun, under the sun. He's just saying Everything as a result and the consequence of the fall of sin entering into the world that affects us to our core individually, but affects uh, all of creation and how the world runs. But even in the midst of that, there is still this grace that can be seen from God. There is still the sun, the beauty, the enjoyment, but he's saying the bitter is there also. So all is vanity. Again, as a recap, if you're new to the series, all is vanity he is, is another refrain that he repeats. Vanity uh, is like on the screen, if you could see, just that kind of mist, a, a vapor. One moment you see it, the next it's gone. Life is vanity. Things come and go very quickly. We know this by now. You can almost hear him saying it towards the you know, end of this book. You know this by now, reader, that life all is vanity. But vanity we've described over the months also alludes to the frustrating, perplexing reality of life. Isn't that life? Sometimes you feel like you move, you're moving one to two steps forward in life and growth and joyful experiences. Then you're smack in the middle of one to two steps back in this anxious, uh, anxious and fearful world that can consume us. This is life. Solomon knows this firsthand. But through it all, God is with you. God is with us. You can almost hear the optimism 
underneath a lot of the reality that Solomon is writing with and, and, and the reality that life is tough and bitter, but also the optimism that but when you're with God, all things matter, actually, and all things will be well. All things will be well in the end. And so as we seek to walk in the wisdom of the Lord, who actually, the Bible says, is Christ, the wisdom of God, both in his person and his redemptive work. As we walk in wisdom, we can understand the reality of light in the midst of darkness. Now, if we would have to deal with that tension forever, that would be really difficult to fathom. That, hey, Robin, this is going to go on for centuries and centuries, and you're going to live through all of that, that tension. That, that would be hard to stomach. But our lives on earth teach us the hard road so that heaven will be such a stark contrast when we enter into life eternal. For our dear sister, Pat Wallenberg, that passed away weeks ago, where there is no more pain, suffering, darkness, and death, no more disease and tragic loss and disappointment. If she could uh, somehow get word to us, Oh, there is such a drastic contrast from that tension that we experience in everyday life under the sun that makes life glorified with Christ in heaven. Oh, such a stark difference that we can enjoy, not just for a moment or for a couple of years or even centuries, but for eternity, that there will only be grace there and the beauty of our Lord. Perhaps this is also why Solomon says we can rejoice in every age, and especially as we get to live into the decades. Yes, there is vanity and darkness, but I can enjoy life, I can enjoy life more knowing that God has a plan, not just for this lifetime, but for what comes after. So I mean this. I think when you focus on where you're going in the everyday, when you focus on where you're going, you could find solace and enjoy the good things now. And even when darkness hovers, you could think of the wonderful light you'll be basking in for eternity. If you're never thinking about the future, if you never have your eyes fixated on where you're going, then of course, and I, first in line, you could just get warped and wrapped up in yourself, in your own mind and thoughts and heart, and that's where it leads to borderline despair. Think about where you're going. Pray about where you're going. Meditate on where you're going. Rejoice in this. And I went a little bit lengthy on this section because I want to encourage all of us to keep things in the biblical perspective, to hold this tension, but through the gospel lens. So that our rejoicing, so that was rejoicing and remembering even when we get to our older years. Well, what about those who are younger here? What about those who are younger here? The word has a word for you too. Verse 9, let's look at verse 9. Oh, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. You know, when I was younger, as a teenager, I don't think I ever read Ecclesiastes, or I don't even think I ever heard a sermon on it. But regardless, I, I was too concerned with being a teenager anyway. I had time for youth group, maybe on Fridays and then Sundays, of course, worship service. But my mind and heart were set on so many other things Thank God, if I'm brutally honest. And I would have loved to hear this, though, from the preacher King Solomon back then. Both an encouragement to embrace the day in my youthfulness with your whole life ahead of you, but with the steady warning that we all need to hear. 
So to teens here, or whatever demographic we would consider being young, are you hearing what he is saying? He's giving you this freedom to walk in enjoyment in your youthfulness, to not despise it, to not hurry up through the young years so that you could be, you know, fill in the blank, to not feel like you don't deserve to enjoy your youth, but to embrace it, to flourish in this limited time you have. Because those of us who are older, we, we could tell you, you know, outright how quickly life will move and go by. So don't waste this opportunity to enjoy where your heart leads you in your youth, Solomon is saying. But this does not mean to go out and live in blatant pursuit of sin. This is not a get-out-of-jail card or immunity card in your young years where you can just go and do as you please in a sinful manner. And so this is where, this is a good warning that I wish I could have heard when I was your age. Or Paul's charge in 2 Timothy 2. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Or we read earlier from Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, think about those things. So back to our passage today. As one scholar wrote on Solomon's warning about this, he says, quote, he is speaking about the judge, the judge, and perhaps the day of judgment, where God himself, who is watching everything, who's watching everything. And the Bible tells us that we'll be held accountable for everything we do. And he goes on and writes, this means that everything we do and everything we decide matters for eternity. How we spend our money, what we do with our bodies, the way we use our time, what we decide about our future, how we handle our relationships, what we touch, taste, hear, and see. All of this matters to our judge and therefore ought to matter to us as well. So basically, he summarizes, rejoice responsibly, celebrate the gift of youth, but at the same time, follow God's command. You know, I hope you heed those words, all of us, but especially to our young people here. But I get it. When you're young, oh, thinking about consequences is such a bore when you're young. Parameters and guardrails, they're a hindrance. But I want to challenge you to talk to the older and the more spiritually mature Christian here in our congregation. Ask them about some of the pitfalls that they had to go through. Ask them how you can enjoy life at your age without seeking to live in a rebellious, wayward way. And I'm sure there are plenty here, plenty here at our church who are ready to guide you, talk through these things with you, let alone, let alone your own immediate family that could help you. I'd also personally, if you set up an interview, to just, I'd love to share my own, my own experiences with the ups and downs of wanting to live for the Lord, but also being tempted in the realm of your own flesh. I'd be happy to share with you. So let me just say to young people, let's just say everyone under 40 here, rejoice in your youth, but remember the warning nonetheless. Because after 40, it's all over. I'm <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But how often can we address young people here? Not, not every week. And so from the bottom of my heart, I, I want to commend this passage to you. Rejoice, but be warned. Let's look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. He always brings us back, doesn't he, to this overarching theme. Vexation, commentators translate this as anything that stresses you out, 
weighs you down, brings you anxiety, causes you to worry, aggravates you, or maybe even angers you. Remove that from your heart, meaning remove this from your life. And he says, youth and the dawn of life is vanity. Again, that life is like a vapor. Here, one second, but gone the next. I still can't believe how quickly 20 years can go by. I think I was thinking about that in this past year. Sometimes I feel like I'm that same person. I'm still 25, 26, only to realize I'm, I'm long gone from that time. You know, I used to do a lot of lunges back then. Do you know what lunges are? Exercises building up your lower body and your core where you're kind of stretching forward and you're kind of making a perfect 90 degree angle. I, I, I used to do that all the time. Lately, I'm trying to eat healthier, you know, less Culver's. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working out again. And I tried to do lunges, and I haven't done them in a long time. I can almost hear audible creaks when I tried them again. And I was wobbly. I didn't have the balance I had in my mid-20s. I, I, I definitely felt the strength was not there. And it was depressing. <laughs> I was thinking, man, it, it, was such a, it was such a breeze back then in my 20s. But now I had to be really intentional. And I, of course, I have to build up that strength again. He's saying, don't trouble your soul, let alone your physical and mental well-being, with the worries of life, the, the vexations of life. Life is short, so don't get so weighed down with these things and affects you even mentally and physically. But boy, oh boy, I think it's really tough for younger people these days compared to when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. The 80s and 90s had their challenges when I was a teen, but things are way more complicated for you now with the invention of the internet, social media, social pressures and influences. I'm not gonna go into detail, but life seems to be tougher and tougher for young people. That's a call for our church to pray for you diligently, to help you, to try to even guide you, of course, with the gospel. And I think there's many more opportunities to see vexation come to, to your life. Solomon is saying to, to remove them Quickly and swiftly, even if it's, you're in a culture and a context now where it's coming way more swiftly, you need to remove them. But now we come to chapter 12, our, our last chapter that we're entering into. And this is a combination of addressing both the younger and the older. So first he was addressing the older, then the younger, and then now I think it's, it's a combination of this. And one theologian remarked, and you could mark this in your own Bible, that this is one of the most beautiful poems ever written on growing old. See if you agree. Let's read now chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they, they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, 
and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. When I was a church planner and needed financial help to make ends meet, I would tutor semi-often students preparing to take the ACTs. And part of this was going over vocabulary every week. And I was remembering, uh, I remember going over this one word that uh, both of us enjoyed, the way the word sounded uh, and the picture the word conveyed. And that word was dilapidated, that adjective dilapidated, an adjective that describes a building or an object that is in a state of disrepair or ruin as a result of age or neglect. Now, don't worry, I don't think things are, are that bad as we, as we get older. <laughs> but the picture I got when rehearsing that vocabulary word, I kind of get when reading this beautiful yet sobering poem of what happens when we age or when we're near the end of life. Of course, the busyness of life slows down. Lights dim. Our mental capacities may slowly diminish. The poem also alludes to our failing physical strength and really a slow but steady process to prepare ourselves to return to dust and be made ready to meet our maker. An older brother was saying to me several months ago that growing older is a series of experiencing loss, the loss of friendships, the loss of loved ones, the loss of abilities. Perhaps I could even add pursuits and desires. And my ears really perked up when I was hearing this because there was a lot of wisdom in the discernment what he was saying. And he went on to say that that's difficult to go through for a lot of people, and I was agreeing with him. And I can only imagine that it is. It's difficult to experience loss after loss after loss. But if you're feeling a bit dilapidated, if I could use that word, worn down with life, discouraged, realize that the God who gives and takes away is ultimately the one who granted you new life here and now but also has promised you resurrected, glorified bodies that will experience the ultimate, ultimate blessing of being with God forever. But there is this process we go through. This is why we do not grieve as the world who has no hope does, because we believe in this very promise to meet our creator again, to be with him forever. So yes, he is addressing the young at first, but this is a reminder for us all, for all our days, for any generation, he's saying to remember. Remember your creator well, whether you're young or older. And this will set us well for next week's conclusion to the whole book about remembering to fear the Lord and obey his commands. But at the foundation of this, we remember who God is and who we are in him. Solomon doesn't sugarcoat life's journey. But he's also not a defeatist either. It's, it's kind of like what Paul is trying to say in 2 Corinthians 2. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. But if you remember that verse, he starts off the verse by saying, so we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart. Those who are streaming because you physically can't even just come because of your ailment or illness. We do not lose heart. We are being renewed day by day. So those of you who are sitting here, I, I don't know your whole story, your context of what's been happening in your life, but we do not lose heart when we have the hope of this promise. Life can be depressing when think about all these things, right? 
but we do not lose heart. If we truly believe that we belong to Christ and realize where we're eventually going. But Solomon says, don't wait. Rejoice in God's blessing over you, but also remember him, the giver of every good thing and gift, that he is your one true redeemer, and all of your days can actually be happy if you think about it this way. And this is why Philippians 4 read earlier that in Christ we do not have to be anxious, that in Christ we can lift up all our fears and anxieties through prayer as supplication in thanksgiving. And then he says in Philippians 4 at the beginning of that, rejoice, rejoice always. We could actually be happy despite our circumstances because of our Redeemer. If the worst thing that could ever happen to you can't overcome the truth that you are redeemed, forgiven, and forever in the grip of God's grace. Let, let me just say that again. If the worst thing that could ever happen to you can't overcome the truth that you are redeemed, forgiven, and forever in the grip of God's grace, then every day, yes, can be happy. Every day spent immersed in the gospel can be a happy one. So rejoice and remember at any age. And I like to end with this one psalm as a challenge for both young people here and older here alike. Take this home with you, Psalm 71. Meditate on it, pray through it, and make this part of the fabric of who you are. Psalm 71, verse 17 through 18. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. What a great prayer for all of us to take home with. Let's bow our heads and pray. Oh God, we are called to remember, but we rejoice that you never forget to remember us. You know us. You know every single hair on our head. You remember us through, our coven through your uh, covenant promises. And you also said that you remember our sins no more. How great this is. How great you are. And may that be a part of our remembrance too. And all, with all of that being said, oh God, yes, we will rejoice in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.